Hello, everybody. This is uh, Tito Bort, CEO at AltiSales, and I'm excited again today because we have another SDR Superstar Series. And this one's going to be special because we have two people who are joining us for this series, um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. So we have Michael Barris and Caitlin McElroy from Salsify. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. How are you doing, Tito? Doing great. I am... I am pretty excited. This is going to be an interesting dynamic, as I said, because we have three people today rather than uh, the usual back and forth between two. So I might ask and direct questions uh, to just one of you and uh, try to learn a little bit more about what your company does, how you guys are organized. But the most important part of the meat of this, this talk is what is your secret sauce? What are you guys doing? Um, for context for everybody, uh, these guys work at Salsify. They're based in Boston. They're Two of the top performers of the company, and it's a company with 30 SDRs, so definitely differentiating themselves from the pack. Um, I'm going to get to learn what are their tips and tricks, their secret sauce, and what things you can learn from them that you might be able to uh, to copy yourself as an SDR to get yourself to crush that quota, make presence club, get all, all, the, all the recognition. So let's start really briefly with uh, Caitlin. T tell us a little bit more about what Salsify does. Yeah, so we're a product experience management platform. <clears throat> and so we're working with some really big and great companies to uh, better manage that content, get it up to where it needs to go and show them how they're doing online. Um, there's a few different systems out there today that do one really well. Um, we're the first platform in the market to do all three in one. Okay, awesome. When it comes to your work, um... Michael, maybe tell us a little bit more about, is this like inbound, outbound? What percentage of the time are you spending on each? Um, so for our particular territories, I'd say it's pretty much 95% outbound. Obviously, every now and then we get super excited with a, a trial or, or demo request from, from one of our companies. I'd say it's about 95% outbound. And we have two team members who pretty much support all of our inbound leads. Okay. Perfect. And when you're uh, when you're calling outbound, is does this mean like really called outbound, meaning most of these companies have never heard of you, or are you mostly targeting um, like case studies, white paper downloads, webinar attendees, trade show scans, and things like that? Um, I'd say for me personally, most of it's pretty much strictly cold outreach. Um, I think we have a lot of great customers and recognizable brands, so trying to leverage um, our customer base and similar brands to the companies we're reaching out to is kind of what I rely on heavily rather than our marketing collateral or, or webinars and whatnot. But um, obviously we have webinars and do have companies attend. So following up on those is obviously a little bit easier, but um, the bulk of the volume is mostly outbound and cold outbound. Okay. Fantastic. Kayleen, would you agree with that? Is that also how you work? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Okay. Um, Kelly, tell us a little bit more about how you guys get measured. So do you need to like super qualify this, the, uh, the prospects that you're bringing in, or is it like on revenue generated or just the meetings being held? What, what's your team looking at when they look at the SDR team? Yeah. So to qualify a meeting, there has to be a pain point, right? Um, a problem or a challenge or a goal that they're looking to accomplish. Uh, it has to be manager level or above. Um, and it has to be booked within two weeks of the day that you have that conversation. Um, did you say anything else? It has to, I think that's the no, one mostly I, just. 
I, I think yeah. that was it. And do you get do you get credit for that meeting when the meeting shows up, or just when you schedule it? So just when you schedule it, um, we do a pretty good job here, making sure that our no-show rates are pretty low. You know, following up after calls, and we have a cadence just set up on that. But it is just to make just the salsa, the original um, meeting book. Okay. Um, do you, I'm always curious because I'm talking to so many SDRs across so many companies. And then a lot of people say my, our no-show rate is really low and that ranges from X to three X what I'm thinking. So do you mind sharing, uh, kind of like what, what range your no-show is at? If you can. Personally, my show, my no-show, um, is, I, it would have to be below like 4%. Um, okay. they try and keep it below 10%. Um, but yeah, I think like overall in the last year or so, I think it's below like four or three percent. Yeah, that's insane. That's incredibly good. I think some of the best ones I've seen are in that ninety-five percent show rate and then five percent no show. Um, and then the the common statistic uh, that a lot of people manage from like the bridge group or whatever is about a seventy-five percent show rate. So about twenty-five meetings uh, end end up like no showing, which is interesting. So. Wow. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Um, Michael, tell us a little bit more about the quota that you guys manage on a monthly basis. How many meetings are monthly or quarterly? How many meetings do you guys need to, to schedule? Yeah, so our, our monthly goal is to be getting 16 meetings uh, within a month time frame. And then obviously we're looking to have about four of those be, be a dollarized opportunity and continuing to funnel down. Hopefully one down the road is going to close, but as far as a, a BDR metric, it's getting that 16 every month and, and demonstrating the consistency month over month. Okay. So let's say you book 16 meetings, 15 of them show up, right? There's that one that's slipping through. And then out of the 15, you say that four are going to become, are going to enter pipeline and become dollarized on average. Um, yeah, that's kind of our, our benchmark goal and what we're hoping the meetings are converting at. Okay. Perfect. That's, that's interesting. Um, again, this varies company by company. So I ask these questions more for the context so that the audience can understand how does this differ from mine, right? Somebody might say, oh, wait, actually, well, my short is maybe 70%, but um, if I had 15 meetings show up, 10 would enter pipeline. So different like targeting or whatever. So, okay. That, that, I think that will help the audience understand um, how you guys work. And it's obviously every company is unique in, in those aspects. So uh, for both of you, maybe Kayleen, we'll start with you. Um, you are one of the best performers there. Um, what percentage of quota are you, are you hitting? And, and what's your secret sauce in, in like a few sentences? My secret sauce, I can't give you my secret sauce. No, um, so I would say, I haven't looked at the dashboard within the last week or so, but it's definitely over 100%. Um, and my secret sauce, I think, is just kind of being scrappy and trying to connect with my prospects in a different way. Um, so a way that I do that is through, I don't know if you want me to dive into like uh, LinkedIn at all or how I'm doing that today. Do you yeah. want me to talk a little bit about yeah. that? Yeah, let's, I mean, sure, let's dive, let's dive right in. You're, you're talking a little bit about maybe uh, a little bit of like your LinkedIn techniques or um, the disabled users and things like that before we start recording, so. You can, you can go on. Yeah, yeah, I can, I can chat about that. Um, so a large portion of the customers that we're working with today are, are global customers. And so there's a good possibility uh, that people that I'm reaching out to have worked at a company that are, are a customer now. Um, so I go into sales LinkedIn Navigator 
and I actually filter through um, um, brands today that we're working with. And um, I just, I'll reach out to them and I'll ask them, hey, I noticed I used to work at X company. Not sure if you're fami familiar with Salsify through uh, that previous company, but, um, and then whatever reason of reaching out. Um, and typically that's a warmer entry because they know that we're working with a, you know, a, a trusted brand um, that they used to work with. So that's my secret sauce. <laughs> it's been working up to this right. point. So, I mean, that is really smart when you reach out to them and uh, they used to work at a company that is a current client. They're like, Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember these or, you know, Oh, maybe that was, that was a tool that I was couldn't remember the name off. Right. Or whatever it is. Right. So they, uh, they probably get excited and it's a much warmer conversation. It's no longer like, who the hell are you? Why are you calling me? It's like, Hey, right. I saw you move jobs and you know, like you're a client. We want you as a client again. You're a great person. And I think that we have like a 94% retention rate with our current customers today. So people love Salsify and they love the platform. So it's not like it's a, a bad product and I'm reaching out and they're probably like, yeah, I do remember you and I don't want to talk to you. Um, they're usually pretty comfortable if they are familiar with Salsify. That is awesome. That's, that's really smart. So people listening, like, have you gone onto LinkedIn sales nav and looked at, especially like, especially if you're not a gigantic company, you can do that even as a, as an individual contributor, figure out who are your clients, go look at, uh, go on sales nav and search, uh, past employees at, uh, list your current companies and then titles, just put relevant titles and you might bump into 10, 20, 50, a hundred people that used to work at your current clients. And that's a really easy target list. Um, and if they are now at another company that's relevant, that can bring you great meetings and get you to be at over a hundred percent of quota and get you to uh, come talk to me in this uh, awesome show. The <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's fun. Mike, um, tell us more about uh, some of your strategies other than like that uh, LinkedIn search for past employees. What, what are you thinking through? Yeah, so I guess um, a few things I think are a little different than I guess like the day-to-day -day that people do that I try to do is uh, I think one of the first things I had come up with a, a couple of mm -hmm. months back was to build out a report around all of our disabled Salsify users. So obviously you can track people who may have worked at a company that was um, that it was, was a customer, but being able to track down someone who was using our platform on a day-to-day -day basis um, and has since left their company is a super great way to build a strong champion at a new company if they loved it and sweared by our platform. Obviously, that's like the warmest conversation you can possibly have. So working with our BizOps team to build out a report to to find those users and match them with, with new users within Salesforce, I have a similar name, was one of my ways I've been able to get a lot of high quality meetings over the past couple of weeks. Um, a few other tricks that I've been trying to do is look at the company's job postings. Um, so I saw this morning that one of my um, prospects on LinkedIn had shared that he was hiring for a new e-commerce manager role and listed some of the requirements and the goals that they're looking to achieve within hiring that person. So kind of leveraging the fact that if they're hiring someone, there's obviously some sort of initiative to um, around e-commerce, which is what Salsify helps companies scale. So leveraging, I guess, Intel like that. And lastly, um, something that I've been trying recently is we've been given a, a small budget to for direct mail or, or for personalized touches. So 
trying to really go on to like Twitter or Facebook and learn about my prospects, personal interest. Um, like the other day I proposed to a guy, why don't we spend 15, 20 minutes chatting around um, your e-commerce goals and, and digital strategy. And I saw on your, on your LinkedIn that you are an avid skier. So your next lift ticket can be on Salsify um, in exchange for some of your time just to chat. And he responded really well to that. So demonstrating to show you, I know you, and also I guess, giving someone a reason to talk to us aside from just learning about their job and learning about what we can do and how we can support that, but attacking their personal interests. Oh, I love that, man. That example is so baller. Like somebody who loves skiing and being like, if you give us a little bit of time, we'll, we'll be happy to pay your next lift. Like that just shows that you care and you're willing to invest in them. Right. And in the relationship and not just like, I'm trying to hit quote, I'm trying to make money off of you, but, I have something to give back. And even from the beginning, I'll, I'll give that back to you. Right. So I was, I was talking to my team the other day about the exact same thing. Like uh, somebody saying like, Oh, I'm, I have a like red eye flight for this conference uh, because I can't miss work. And literally somebody's sending like, go on Instacart, find those. Um, there's the, now those like melatonin drinks uh, that, that popped up and just, Freaking order them a melatonin drink and be like, hey, man, I want you to get a good good, uh, good rest, even if it has to be on a plane, so that you can hit those conferences hard and try to make uh, get more revenue for the company. So thought this would help. Enjoy the flight. Uh, P.S. We might also be able to help you optimize conversion rates on your site if you're interested or like if you'd be willing to talk, let me know. And, and boom, like that's like so empathetic and so nice and taking care of the prospects so so well i would definitely respond to that right um so great job man yeah, absolutely. thank you and then obviously i mean from a company perspective if we pay for a 60 dollars lift ticket like the roi for ours end is tremendous so 100 percent worth it for us so yeah definitely and, and also for context for like people listening in here right i don't want somebody who's selling a hundred dollar a month product to start doing some of these things but what's what's your regular like annual contract value to give give the audience an understanding um so kayla and i are both in in the global territory so it's our our largest named accounts typically fortune 1000 so i'd say the average deal size is anywhere from around a hundred grand upwards to seven figures or so um, we so it's a pretty broad range depending on the scope of the project, but I'd say a minimum of around a hundred grand. Yeah, that's fantastic. So, sixty bucks on the ski lift for a hundred grand contract. I'll uh, I'll take that any day. Actually, if anybody wants to sign a hundred grand contract with us here at Alti Sales, I'll be happy to pay your next. <laughs> awesome, um, Caitlin. Any? Do you want to add anything to that? Any like fun, cool things that you've uh, maybe done for for people that has done you demos? Fun things. Yeah. Whenever you mess up, you just I you know you gotta put yourself out there and, and kind of make a joke about it. So like for instance, I called a guy at five o'clock in the morning because he was on the west coast and I didn't have that info that he was on the west coast. Wasn't happy at five o'clock in the morning, but when I called him back, then um, I just put myself out there, kind of joking around about it, really apologizing. He was a lot happier uh, a little bit later in the afternoon. Um, so the more that you can humanize the conversation with your prospect, uh, you know, it's a it's a better conversation that way. Yeah. Well, now, now you got my my brain thinking all about like direct mail. So I would have sent him like one of those like nap pods, you know, those pillows that you can just put on top of your head. I'd be like, sorry, I interrupted your sleep this morning. 
Um, <laughs> catch another hour of sleep during a break or something. I don't know. I'm just, yeah. maybe I'm just crazy, but I, I like the, the way you guys are thinking because it helps people really go outside of the usual and just be like, oh, okay, fine. I'll just call later. But you can, you can go so much. Right. Better, you know? um, right. Cool. Yeah, those, cool. Yeah. Those are awesome techniques and tactics that people can use and they're replicable. So, uh, so I love them. Let, let's talk a little bit more about like your guys's company and, and how it works. So I mentioned at the beginning of the, of the show, you have um, around 25 to 30 SDRs in that range and around like 50 AE. So a pretty, pretty big um, company uh, when it comes to like sales development. A lot, of the, a lot of companies are just getting started with just a few. Um, but tell us more about the organizational structure in terms of like who works with who and, and all that. So maybe uh, Mike, if you want to address this one, like um, are you guys like paired up with AEs and you just have like one that you work with or a few that you work with or can you send demos to anybody? Yeah, so um, for the most part, uh, the BDRs are paired up with, with two AEs who are m most likely in the same territory revenue band vertical. So Kale and I both support two of our, our global reps. Um, that's pretty standard throughout the BDR org, supporting two uh, account executives or two account managers and um, down to our, our smaller territories, a few of them support like three or four as well as inbound. But for the most part, you're supporting two AEs and just looking to build the two of their pipeline. Right. Do you meet with them like once a week or once every few weeks to um, strategize account or anything like that? Or are you just like rolling on your own? Um, I think it comes down to the AE. Um, one of my AEs works almost entirely remote. So most of our conversations are either through Slack or we'll probably try to hop on the call every couple of weeks just to just to catch up with each other. And my other AE is in the office probably about three days a week. So um, we're the day he's in, we probably spend hour or so together on those three days. So I think it depends on the AE and kind of respecting the way that they work and they're accustomed to working and being able to kind of fit in with their with their lifestyle. Yeah. Kaylin, how about you and your AEs? Um, I, I assume you have a maybe a well you're you're both global. I don't know. Do you have some people yep. in the office too? Yeah, so it's pretty similar to that. Uh, the global AEs they're in and out of the office. Um, so when they are in office, I do like to, to at least sit down like an hour a week and meet with them. Um, but whenever you know we have conversation or questions or anything, I we text and Slack and email and everything else. So um, I don't feel uncomfortable like, oh, I'll meet with them on Monday. I'm only going to talk to them on Monday. Um, I think like the, the smaller accounts um, and the younger the reps, the newer the reps, say like a commercial account, they meet a lot more regularly because things are constantly changing. Um, but with us, we pretty much have a specific strategy. We know who we're going after. And so the meetings don't happen as frequently. Right. Okay, that makes sense. So, um, tell us, Kaylee, a little bit more about um, the the tools that you're using. I mean, that it's it's important to be well equipped. So, what's uh, what's that looking like in house? So we use Salesforce. Uh, we also use Salesloft, um, and that's where we create our cadences. So we take all the contacts from the accounts in Salesforce and we import them into Salesloft, and we create cadences through that. Um, we use uh, LinkedIn Sales Navigator which is great, um, and also Zoom info to get that direct dial and, uh, and email connect. And then sometimes we use Lusha. Uh, we, we haven't, I don't think we've bought into Lusha yet, but Lusha is a great tool that you can dive into. To I, I think they list cell phone numbers in there too, which I don't think a lot of companies are using, so that's a fun tool. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. Lush is like our, our secret weapon here. I, I rely like very heavily on that when there's someone that you are dying to get in contact with, they've opened up your emails, you're connected on LinkedIn, you know if you can get them live, you'll, you can get the meeting. So Lush has been a tremendous tool for anyone who, who is looking for their, their extra silver bullet that they might need in the month. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and it will be no longer such a secret. I think the, the last, it wasn't one of these ones, but the last LinkedIn post I put out there had 200,000 views. So you have about maybe, if you get lucky, 200,000 oh, people wow. knowing about Lusher. Maybe we should have said that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you should go and ask for a bonus. Exactly, selling for them. Um, cool. And then when it comes to accounts, uh, can you like pick your own because like you have AEs that have a territory or are you assigned like, okay, here are the 50 or 100 or whatever the many accounts that they need to go after? What, Mike, I guess you'll, you'll take that one. Yeah, so um, we both support about two AEs and them having the largest accounts. Um, obviously, there's a lot of room within the accounts for a lot of different meetings with different departments. So both of my AEs have about 15 accounts um, for a total of around 30 accounts on, on our end. And um, being such large accounts, obviously, there's different departments that can leverage the platform, different geographical locations. Um, so I think there is enough there to keep us hitting our quota, but it's definitely working pretty strategically having um, a pretty low amount of accounts. In theory, we're hitting about half of our total accounts in, in meetings per month. So um, thinking very strategically, having a small amount of accounts is definitely something we have to do. That is insane. You have 30 accounts and you're trying to book 16 meetings? Yeah, carry the one, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Wow. Um, but they're obviously like some of the, the largest accounts, um, like Fortune 500 companies. So they could have, you know, 50, 60, 70 subsidiaries that we can all be hitting and trying to, I guess, build momentum at the lower level and work up to the parent. So it's definitely okay. thinking more strategically than just, I got to book the meeting with this company and then it's done. Um, so I think I personally find there's enough, enough meet in all these accounts to pick quota, but um, it's definitely thinking strategically is, is very important. Yeah, that makes, that makes a little bit more sense if you have the like major parent accounts. So you might have Disney, but you can go after like ESPN, which is part of Disney. So like it right. feels like there are several companies, but it might just be 15 accounts. Okay, yeah, that's, yeah. Uh, that's pretty insane. Very, very strategic. Uh, Kaylin, what's what's like your usual um, activity, like uh, per day or per week? Like how many calls, emails, LinkedIn, or, or whatever you're doing? Um, what does that look like? Yeah, so our metrics are 45, 45, so 45 dials, 45 emails. Um, and you can space that out to through whichever way you want to throughout the week. I think it comes out to 225 a week. But if you want to do like a heavy call uh, day on like Tuesday and Thursday or whichever day you're finding success, then, um, you know, your Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays will be later on calls. Um, you know, I find that we're a lot more strategic with our outreach. Um, so maybe I have more emails than calls. I personally find more success through emails. Um, not a whole ton of people that I'm reaching out to are, are answering their, their, their phones because they probably get a ton of calls. So um, that's what my week usually looks like, though, is around 225 for emails and calls. Yeah. And Mike, I assume you're you're in the same range. Um, yeah. So metrics-wise, obviously it's the same. I'm, I'd probably be the first to admit my activity probably has 
room for improvement, I'd prefer to go, I guess, a little more tailored approach and rather than volume, which a lot of times lends my activity to be not quite at our quota, but um, I guess I kind of focus on what works for me. So yeah, a little lighter on the activity and spend more time on those touches. I mean, if you guys are at over 100% of quota all the time, like who cares how many calls you make if you're bringing in revenue for the company, right? Like, um, especially w one thing that I talk about is a lot of like, uh, I'd say not great managers uh, tell their reps just like, no, you got to hit the activity. You got to go and hit the activity. And then people like just burn out. They don't like the job. Nobody wants to have anybody be like, oh, you got to go do it. You got to go do it when, when you're like trying to be more strategic and, and smarter about the way you, um, you go for this. So um cool man i mean our our managers are pretty good here with the fact that if you're hitting your goals uh and you're getting those meetings they're not going to talk to you about your activity at all yeah exactly how the way i do it as well like for in my company no nobody cares nobody cares about your activity and nobody cares about your working hours as long as you're hitting quota if you're not hitting quota what's your activity if your activity is low what are your working hours if your working hours are low um we're gonna have a very interesting conversation about next steps <laughs> right? um, yeah absolutely so yeah. i think that's kind of how good sales managers try to operate right the, the if the quota is there questions aren't asked and if dials aren't being hit and quotas not being hit there you got a lot of questions coming your way yeah correct cool um let's uh, talk a little bit more about um maybe cold, cold calling scripts or email templates that you guys might be using do you guys have a, a few that are provided by the company you build your own how, how are you thinking about this uh email wise something that i find works really well is if you have had at least like a conversation or two with somebody inside a company um and you have to reach out to different divisions or subsidiaries letting them know like we've been in conversation uh, with, you know, different divisions and different groups, just that's a, a warmer uh, opening for me. So I have a specific cadence that kind of shoots down that alley. Okay. Um, so you've built that one on your own. Um, and Mike, you, have you built a few on your own as well? Or does the company provide some um, that you like to use as well? So the company provides a few very generic, like a hard lines cadence, CPG cadences, soft lines. Um, and I tend not to really use those. I like to write um, a cadence for each company I'm going after, each subsidiary I'm going after. And one, provide relevant customers that we might have that are hopefully a competitor to them. Um, and then hopefully try to incorporate um, whether it's something I read in like a 10K or an article around some of their strategic initiatives going into the year. So I try to write um, a unique cadence for each uh, company I'm going after and each kind of persona within the company. Okay. That's really cool. Um, let's talk a little bit more about training. So uh, what's your like onboarding slash training cadence looking like? Do you guys have an in-house trainer that you train a lot with or a few different people, or do you like just hire, I don't know, John Barrows and Tito Bort and people like that to come train your team? Um, yeah, so we have a dedicated sales enablement department here, which I believe is made up currently of, of three people, one specifically on the, on the BDR front. So she's running uh, our Salt Spy University for our first two to three weeks when we're here, making sure we have deep knowledge of the platform, kind of know what we're going to say when we get that first person live, kind of teach us how to think strategically and source on LinkedIn. So um, 
she's kind of, it's basically like you're back in school for the first three weeks at Salsify when you're joining the sales organization. And I think they rely pretty heavily on making sure that you're going to be confident when you're, when you're let loose on the phones. I think that that training is uh, something that really helps with the culture here as well. Um, I know that in previous companies that I've worked at when, you know, they don't have a solid uh, training program, it's, you know, you don't feel as comfortable getting on the phones and you don't feel as comfortable with the program itself. Um, but you can see here how much our company is investing in their employees, which, you know, feels good. So. Yeah, no, for sure. I would agree with that tremendously. It's, it's really funny. I have a, I've, I've had companies reach out to me and tell me, um, Tito, can you come train our team, right? We, we don't have an in-house training. We don't have a great onboarding process. We just have like three SDRs. We're pretty new. We're thinking about hiring an SDR manager. We need somebody to come train us. I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, I mean, I got to fly over and spend the day and blah, blah, blah. It's a couple thousand dollars to go do a training. And then I, I always get asked, what, what's, what's going to be the impact of you coming for one day training? And my answer to that is like, what is the impact of going to the gym once? Like, there's definitely an impact, but like not a lot, not a lot to measure there, right? So we have an onboarding program where, and you have somebody dedicated to train you, and they know all the strategies and techniques and methods, and you have other SDRs who have figured out best practices, and and you can have all that transferred over on a more personal training. It's more like literally going to the gym and having a personal training and be like, okay, you're gonna warm up in in the elliptical, and you're gonna come here, you're gonna do chest, and you're gonna do legs, and you're gonna do arms, you're gonna do this, you're gonna do that come back the next day you're sore you can't even freaking work you're overwhelmed with all the information but if you continue practicing and training and, and keep going to the gym you get better so um, i'm glad to hear you right. guys have a it seems like you said two three week onboarding process with a dedicated sdr oriented trainer that that sounds great that sounds really awesome um, yeah and then as you as you mentioned kind of continuing that training i think something that our senior manager has designed is our like i had mentioned to you i think previously our our five-step program which incorporates a lot more learning and development of skills you're going to need down the road as you continue to progress through the program so in each tier you're progressing through there's some more classes you're going to take and you're going to give demonstrations on the platform and ultimately continue to prove to everyone around you that you are growing as as a salesperson so I think our, our manager puts a lot of emphasis on that growth and not just having one onboarding period of learning, but continual learning as you progress through the BDR program. Yeah, career path. I mean, that's, that's so fundamental. You guys have five steps. Uh, for us, we have four. Um, but what we require is like we give them like three books. You can read one of the three. One of the three, you got to take a test on it. You got to pass these courses. There's a lot of online resources actually from HubSpot Academy to Coursera. So depending on their career path, if people want to go more into the data and analytics side, we have like quantitative and qualitative research methods. If you want to become a manager, you're going to go into the AE route, you got to get certifications from HubSpot um, and things like that. So we can let everybody pick their own path. And if they start taking a class and they hate it and they're like, this is not for me, I hate account management or I hate sales or I hate marketing, then you can divert and start training for a different thing and, and get promoted. So um, I think that that, flows really easily into uh, kind of like my last question before we start wrapping it up, uh, which is like, what keeps you guys motivated? Um, what, I mean, when I talk to best performers, it, they, they seem to have something as like driving them forward. And it might be uh, a vision of what their life needs to look like, or, you know, a family or just, they just like super driven. Uh, sometimes it's also like how the company has been structured. So 
curious here, Caitlin, I guess we'll start with you since Michael has the last one. Yeah, so uh, that's a good question. I would definitely probably just say I'm bought into the company and where we're headed. Um, intrinsically, I think that that's where it starts from. Um, and then the next step from there is just obviously my own personal career goals. Um, it's, this program really sets you up to have a clear cut path to whichever next career path you want to take. So, um, but I think definitely like that culture, the company culture, the buy-in, you have to like love what you're selling. Um, you know, we have a great office here and we work with great people. And if I didn't like the people that I worked with, then it would probably be really difficult coming to work each day. Um, but then again, the next step after that is just seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and seeing, you know, the path that leads there and not coming in every day saying, I wonder when I'm going to get promoted. Or I wonder what I want to do next, you know, so. Right. You have a very clear path, you know, your next steps, you know, what you need to do, how many meetings, how many X or Y or certifications or things. So you can start preparing for that. And uh, that, that I love that. That's, that's really smart. So for the people listening to the show, if your company doesn't have a career path, doesn't have a strong onboarding process, doesn't have good training, all these things that are getting um, my, my two friends here to be very, very successful. Uh, send this video to your manager and be like, hey, I found a video that looks pretty cool. And you go check it out. Um, I guess I just ruined that one because now if you do, the manager is going to know. But eh, whatever. <laughs> they probably won't get this far. Just send it over. Um, <laughs> cool. Last, last minute things. Any like spiffs or Michael? What, what keeps you motivated? Is it different from Kaylin's? Or are there any spiffs that you like? What, what, what do you love about Salsify? Yeah, so I guess I probably have two major motivators uh, playing off Kaden, obviously more long-term looking down for my personal career growth and having goals there. And um, then the short term, I think it's probably a combination of one, obviously everyone wants more money and making money feels good and is exciting. And two, I just think the level of competition, there's obviously no hiding in sales. There's a dashboard where you can see everyone's performance day in and day out and it honestly just really bothers me to see myself not at the top of that dashboard and every day that passes where I'm not at the top is something I'm thinking about all day so I guess the competitive spirit in me is something that really motivates me yeah um, and then to answer your question around spiffs we obviously um, I think they're focused around obviously having competition but also just something fun to kind of take away from some of the obviously grind of the day-to-day -day job so um, today is March 1st, and we just started a March Madness bracket um, where it's a combination of your meetings booked along with your AEs. So you guys are on a team competing against another another BDR in their AEs. So having small little things to kind of take your mind off the grind and give us another kind of fun thing to, to tease each other around and kind of amp each other up and have just that competition is always healthy within within our BDR org. The reason I'm laughing is because Mike sits next to me, and he looks at the dashboard all day. So if I'm not doing well, he lets me know about it. And if he's not doing well, I let him know about it. So. That's awesome. I love that. That competitive spirit is, uh, is a lot of fun. I am, I am the same way. I don't mind working insane hours, get very early to the office, leave super late at night. Uh, but I need to, need to be up there and need to be performing. Um, I remember the first company I worked at, uh, it was called Sharefile. They would actually pay the commissions cash on the spot. So like when you got that was performed, like your manager would come, like bunch of cash and be like 20, 40, 60, 80, 100, take it, next. Wow. And that was like so cool. Like the environment was just like, you, you like seeing the hard cash at your desk 
Um, then they got acquired. They had to get regulated. But they were like, we're not going to leave. We're, we're not going to leave this culture of like paying people on the spot is like part of who we are. It's like they were a very transactional type of sales too. So they were like booking That's about awesome. three, three demos a day and they were getting paid on the deals getting closed. So any closed one deal, they'd get like about a hundred bucks per deal. And they, they were like a hundred bucks a month type of subscriptions. Wow. And then they, they traded their, um, their real hard cash for monopoly money. So they had monopoly money that was stamped and signed by the managers. So they'd spend the time to stamp and sign. And then whenever somebody like sold something, they'd go with the monopoly money and be like, okay, like here's a hundred bucks. Here's like 50 bucks, like 20 bucks, whatever. Um, and then at the end of the month, you could go that with that to like HR and cash in your commission. Uh, but it felt like cash still. So I actually really like that. I might bring that to our manager. I like that. Yeah, that's an awesome idea. Cool. <laughs> Well, um, last things to wrap it up, um, you know, lo lots of people hearing a bunch of ideas from you guys, uh, probably inspired and excited. Um, are there good ways to get in touch with you guys? Are you guys open to talk to other people? What are the best ways to do so? Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm absolutely open to talk to anyone. Um, probably the best way to get in contact with me is on my LinkedIn. I have like my email and my cell number there. And it's just my full name, Michael Barris at Salsify. Um, so yeah, be open to connect with anyone and have a conversation around the role and kind of learn more about what they're doing that might be helpful for them as well. This would be a really great opportunity to get a lot more followers on Instagram, but I'll keep it professional. We can um, follow me on LinkedIn or uh, email me at kmcgillroy at salsify.com. Okay, cool. And um, what is your Instagram? I'm, no I'm way. You. I'm going to have to find you. If you're looking for followers... You're helping me. I out need like followers. Yeah. I will. Imagine I will tomorrow like, I get like 22,000 more followers. <laughs> I'm going to be like, hashtag follow Caitlin. Like, <laughs> my peeps. Why not? Oh, that's funny. Anyway, um, cool. Good stuff. Everybody, if you want to connect with me or follow me, we do a lot of these shows. It's a lot of fun. I have a few others. I do um, cold calling training, and all these go on YouTube at the end. So you can subscribe on YouTube. You can follow me on LinkedIn. You can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, so I have cold calling training. If you have no idea how to cold call and you're trying to get better, come meet with me. I'll teach you for half an hour to an hour. We'll record it. We'll post it online and you leave with all the learnings. Then you can rewatch your training whenever you want. Um, I do SDR superstar series where, where I get people like these two amazing uh, folks to come and tell us about their experiences. And I start a new series as well called Tito teaches sales where I'm teaching people how to run discovery calls, how to qualify, um, how to, negotiate we're gonna run through the whole process of how to be an amazing salesperson so um appreciate anybody who follows the content if you really enjoy this tag people share post it on instagram go follow caitlin as well and uh appreciate you guys spending the time um and uh yeah we'll be back soon thanks everybody awesome thank, thank you, you.